Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. Well, this week, it's a return appearance of Chelsea Abbott. She's a technical advisor for the Davy Institute based in Chicago. Chelsea, last time we talked about flowering trees. This time, it's all about healing gardens, which is cool. But I I know you're based in Chicago, but you do cover a, a bigger area than that, right? Correct. Uh, so I mostly will cover areas in the Great Lakes region of the United States and in eastern Canada. So it's it's kind of two epicenters that I deal with. So before we get into healing gardens, tell me a little bit about what that means, being a technical advisor. Yeah. So I mean, so as a technical advisor, what we're mostly focused on, of course, is supporting the field and all things related to science. Uh, but a lot of it is going to be diagnostic stuff on how to keep trees healthy. So when we're thinking about healing gardens, really we're thinking about how trees can return the favor to us and sort of improve our psychological benefit or or, uh, our psychological needs. Um, So if we can keep trees healthy, then they can then sort of pass that along uh, as far as a mental standpoint. So when you think healing garden, tell me what you're thinking, because I'm thinking every garden is a healing garden, but there are specific, like I've seen specific healing gardens. Yeah. So, I mean, a healing garden in general, there's actually kind of two, I would say, facets of a healing garden. One of them is something that you walk through or sort of meditate within, whether it be walking or sitting. Another one uh, could actually be healing garden through the actual act of gardening. So more, much more of a hands-on thing. So there are two sort of areas in which you can view a healing garden as. Can it be a frustrating garden too? I'm sure, uh, you know, the, the gardening side of doing it with your hands, there's frustrations, but then maybe joy when you succeed. Okay. That's the healing part. Okay. <laughs> yes, now exactly. got <laughs> you got to work a little harder for it. <laughs> uh, so tell me a little bit about if I wanted to make a specific thing called a healing garden, what would some of the things you would think about I would incorporate into it? Right. So if you've got a space like a green space of your own or and I can also touch on if you don't have a green space, because there's a couple ways you can uh, use nature's healing force. But imagine if you have your own green space that you like, either you're doing the hands on gardening or you want to do the more meditative walking through sitting. Really, the biggest thing about a healing garden or just any kind of forest bathing sort of situation is to bask in it, which means trying to activate all five senses with that garden. So that's touch, that's hear, that's smell, that's sight, you know, that's kind of the feel of things. Uh, So as long as you've got, you know, nice lighting, you know, access to touching plants, things that kind of your eye was drawn to, but also the one that's oftentimes sort of forgotten in people's own healing gardens is the sound. Uh, So you can kind of activate your basking, at least from your hearing standpoint, with wind chimes, uh, with low bells, things that kind of have a lower register, because that will sort of simulate what it would be like as the wind blows through the trees in the forest. So now that you say that, I'm thinking about my little fountain, because my pump is broken, I got to replace it. And I miss the sound of that Mm -hmm. running water. That's kind of my healing garden. And 
believe it or not, you know, I'm kind of off the road, but I can still get some road noise until I get that fountain running that kind of blocks it out. Yeah. So, I mean, running water, that's a great point, is also a good uh, sort of listening stimulant that will activate some of those uh, lovely endorphins uh, to kind of calm you down and stuff like that. So, yeah, if you get any kind of white noise-ish sound, that's very, very beneficial. And the other thing I think about w- with what you said there and, and that I see often in gardens is there aren't enough places just to sit you know, right. that, that people are... are like we talked about, you know, working in their gardens all the time, but that being able to put a bench somewhere and just sit and enjoy just what you can look at. Yeah. The whole, you know, one of the biggest proponents um, of ecotherapy and forest baiting again is cutting out time to reconnect with our roots. Let's say, you know, this was something that initiated back in the eighties. It came out of actually Japan in which they were trying to counteract the tech boom burnout that happens with a lot of, you know, our technology increases and stuff. And they found that through just research that all these psychological benefits, reducing blood pressure, reducing anxiety, increasing happiness and motivation came from just connecting with nature again, which is really back to our roots as humans living as an organism with all the other ones that we're supposed to be interacting with on a daily level. You know, when you bring up forest bathing, first off, the term sounds so (laughs) wonderful. That that just sounds so wonderful. But is there a way to explain exactly what that is? Yeah, so forest bathing, it's funny because it always kind of makes people think of literally bathing in water under like a waterfall in the forest, which could be a form of what we're talking about. But really, you know, that's the best English translation for the Japanese word. Uh, But if you want to think about it as forest uh, basking, that might be a little bit easier. So think about basking in the sunlight. You know, you're usually just in one place. You're kind of absorbing the warmth of the sun and just sort of being at peace. But just replace the sun with greenery. And just, again, observing with your eyes, your ears, if you, you know, if you know what you're dealing with, you can activate your taste sense, but it's really just immersing yourself back into the greenery and kind of trying to connect with the world in that way. So before we started recording, you told me a little bit about you were working on a certification that got stopped by COVID. Tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, since this has started to become more and more of a, uh, I I don't want to call this a trend, um, but I would say people are learning more about it and becoming interested. There has been an avenue for those people who are interested in becoming essentially leaders. So what I was getting my certification in was being what's called an ecotherapist. And this is someone who would guide a group of people or an individual through the process of forest bathing and forest basking and help them activate those senses in order to have that benefit. So if you're not familiar with nature, you know, there's actually quite a few certified ecotherapists. You could actually look through certain websites to find accredited um, and you can just go on a walk. Uh, It's not very far. Usually it's less than a mile. uh, And they just sort of teach you how to activate all your senses so that you can get that benefit from the forest. So with my ecotherapist, am I laying down on the leaves and then getting asked questions about caterpillars? or? <laughs> it would all depend. So that's the other wonderful thing about this industry is it's kind of all dependent on each ecotherapist, how they want to walk you through it. Some people might just sit you down and have you bask that way. Some people might 
do the walking form. Uh, my background, of course, is in plant pathology. So I might be much more interested in as I, you know, bask you through the forest. Oh, hey, look at this cool disease or mushroom or oh, my gosh, an insect. Um, but it's very individualized to each ecotherapist and how they see it. Chelsea, let's talk a little bit about taking some time, because, again, whenever I when I'm hearing you say this stuff, I'm thinking to myself, well, I've got a spot out with a, a chair and a place to put my feet up and it's all covered in ferns and evergreens, Ooh. but yet I have not sat there probably since May. And so yeah. let's talk a little bit about actually taking the time. I hate it because I walk right by it and I look in there and I'm like, oh, why don't I just sit in there for 10 minutes just to enjoy yeah. watching the ferns and what's running through them. I think like with these types of things, with anything, you know, we can get caught up, right? Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, and it gets to a point where you almost uh, feel like you have no time left to do these things. So I think it's it's like what you said, you've got to kind of make the decision, carve out the time. And I think starting small, you know, 10 minutes, maybe that's you just can't can't imagine giving up 10 minutes. Maybe start with two, you know, or five or something like that. And just say, I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to, you know, touch the ferns. I'm going to maybe break the leaf and smell it. I'm going to try to, you know, figure out where the light's coming from. And just uh, if you ask yourself these questions like, oh, what do I feel? What do I smell? What do I see? Just go through your five senses and maybe that'll take you 30 seconds, but it's better than just walking past it and getting a sense of guilt. <laughs> yes. Looking through the trees and looking at that chair that's been sitting there for who knows how long. Yeah. Just, just give it a sit and then just ask yourself five questions. I think then expand it from there. I like that idea. One time I was sitting there and I, I, I heard something moving at my feet and it was a snake came right through Ooh. my feet. So that was some definite forest bathing. Yeah, I mean, see, there's just like wonderful interactions, whether that caused you anxiety or happiness, not sure, but hopefully it caused some kind of reaction. <laughs> for, for me, it was happiness. There you go. You know, <laughs> For some people, it would have probably been screaming and jumping into the garden or something. But <laughs> Sure. Well, sure. the other thing, Chelsea, I wanted to also talk about uh, is something we found out about each other is we're kindred spirits in mm -hmm. our love of gray weather and rain. And that is yes. another way to enjoy the garden as, par as far as a healing garden, right? For people like you and I. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't think even if you don't like the rain, I don't think anyone could say that the sound of rain hitting leaves on a tree isn't soothing. There are apps that actually simulate this noise to help people fall asleep. So imagine if you could just bask in that for, you know, parts of the day. I think that to me sounds magical. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to go out into my uh, uh, little fern room there and wait for the rain to come because it, it's on the way. There you go. See that now. Now you you have, if you, if it's raining, what else are you gonna do, right? Go go take the time while it's raining to use your uh, forest basking uh, skills. I like forest bathing better. I, I, it sounds so. I don't know. It sounds so magical to me. You know, I spend a lot of time in the woods. I live in the woods, mm -hmm. but I don't do the basking and bathing like I should. I, I use those trails to walk the dogs up and right. down. I need to do more forest basking. Uh, but back, you know, back to healing gardens, when I think of healing garden, I think of a space at like uh, maybe a hospital or something like that, where they, oh, yes. they put some green space in there so that you can, can, you know, sit and reflect. And I think sitting and reflecting are two things, no matter where you put your healing garden, mm -hmm. are important parts of, of 
of this type of gardening. Yeah. And so that's actually what kind of brings my other point around. Um, so they are, you know, that based off of the research, they are starting to install these healing gardens around hospitals um, and like, say, long term homes just for the benefits. It's actually, you know, again, that has all those not only physiological benefits, but mental benefits. Um, but so say if you don't have your own space, maybe you don't have your own green space, you can still engage in this uh, because of this. A new knowledge about how trees are related to humans and how we can sort of activate it. You could theoretically forest bathe in any kind of city greenscape as well. Again, it's going to be about activating those senses with whatever you have. Funny enough, there was um, a lot of this is done in Finland as well, because they're huge proponents of getting in touch with nature, as most of the Nordic countries are. And they actually came up with a prescription of sort of trying to activate how much time do you need to spend in nature to get the benefits. And they said, if you do, and I'm, you know, I'm going to try to remember as much as uh, possible. They say, if you can do uh, 15 minutes every other day um, in nature, you can get the activation that you need to order to have the benefits. Or if you wanted to do just one shot on the weekend, you would spend about an hour and a half, but the difference is the green space. If you're going to do it just in one shot, you should go, to the most forested location you can find where there's just no hardscape around. But if you have just, you know, cityscape and parks, 15 minutes every other day or every three days is going to be adequate. Is there more science about this that you looked at? You know, obviously we just know as human beings that mm -hmm. time with trees, time in nature, time in the garden, it feels good. But have you seen any other science through the years uh, confirming oh, yeah. that? You know, uh, as a scientist myself, uh, oftentimes I will look into sort of, I would say, the more quantifiable um, factors that forest bathing can have. And, that, you know, what I've seen based off of the research as far as people actually measuring the blood pressure and the heart rate, um, they, of course, will have qualitative studies where they ask people, um, you know, how do you feel after you've been in in the nature? But there are studies out there that have actually measured those types of things and even just the chemical balance in a brain afterwards. And I mean, they're all very positive. You know, it does actually decrease heart rates. It does actually decrease uh, low uh, or sorry, decrease blood pressure. Um, and then, you know, sort of uh, there's this interesting chemical that they found in the trees themselves called phyto phytoncides that are released that have that chemical reaction in people. It actually elicits uh, humans when they breathe it in to release these chemicals that are calming so it's it's very interesting if you wanted to look into it. There's a actually a whole bunch of information. Of course, a lot of it's out of Japan and the Nordic countries. So tell me about that again. What were they called that the that the plants actually emit? Yeah. Is that what they're doing? They're they're sending it out or? So they're phytoncides, which are uh, if you've ever heard of uh, chemicals called volatiles, which is the aerial way that a lot of plants will kind of talk to each other. Um, so they sort of emit these things that are supposed to be deterrents for like herbivores and things like that. But when humans breathe them in, and again, certain species are going to release that. So they're still doing studies in the USA to see if there's any trees that release it. But in Japan, there's a bunch of species that do. And so this volatile, this gas uh, that the trees are sending out, when a human interacts with it, it actually will have a beneficial uh, sort of reaction in people's brains to do these things like decrease your heart rate and your blood pressure and increase, you know, calming uh, hormones in a person as well. 
I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your job and especially this season. Was this growing season any, any different for you than any other season? Do you see, you know, too much rain dry? Does any of that stuff matter with what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I will say, because my region is quite large, I actually had sort of an opposite thing happening. In a lot of my U.S. region, it was quite droughty. Um, You know, we had the drought in sort of the spring when we normally would get the rain uh, that persisted pretty much up until I would say maybe a couple weeks to maybe a month ago. But then in my Ontario region, it was exactly the opposite. It's been very, very rainy to the point of just oversaturation and flooding and now moving into more of a drought. Um, And of course, both of those instances, too much and too little water is definitely going to stress out the trees just in different ways. Uh, So depending on where we're talking about, you know, I had fungal issues related to the water and then I had a lot more insect issues related to the drought. For me in my garden, you know, I'd rather have the rain than have to deal with the drought. Uh, same with yeah. my, my trees. I, it, you know, we're, we're, we were a little droughty here these last end of the summer here. And, and I'm just, I'm waiting for this rain. And it's funny that anyone that deals with plants, trees, your vegetable garden, your flower garden, whatever it might be, uh, you're always looking at the weather one way or the other. Yeah. Water is life. Yeah. So if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a little bit about healing gardens for you personally tell me where you go or what you do or or how you get your uh healing garden uh mojo going yeah so i mean one one good thing that helps me is i get to work with plants most days so i'm doing a lot of the uh you know the feel part (laughs) i'm touching a lot of stuff but when i want to actively go out and sort of participate in this i do live uh in the city of chicago so I have a hardscape around me, but I have some really good parks that are within walking distance that I will try to go. Um, and one of my favorite things to activate is smell and touch. And so I'm a big, you know, I'm a big bark toucher. If you want to see, call me a tree hugger. I have been known to, you know, embrace a tree here and there. Uh, but I love ripping leaves, especially now that we're moving into fall because you get that nice spice smell. Um, and if you kind of just sit and listen to the wind, it sounds like the ocean after a while you know, with the kind of ebb and flow of the wind through the trees. So I would say it's mostly, uh, I'll, I'll have about three parks that I try to get to uh, twice to three times a week. So I'm trying to hit that prescriptive 15 minutes every other day sort of thing. Um, and even if I can just walk through it, it might even elicit, if I don't spend say five to 10 minutes, I could just remember the last time I was there and how calming it was if I don't have the time. So it is, it is definitely something that you have to work at. Um, you know, but even if you're, say, walking home and there's a small greenscape that you walk past, maybe just walk through it and then just stand still for about 30 seconds and see what you can see, smell. Um, again, you know, if you're going to taste anything out in nature, just make sure it's not poisonous. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just try to activate the senses that I enjoy, which is mostly touch and hearing and smelling. Well, Chelsea, I know that you've inspired me and I know you've inspired our listeners to take some time and use their garden as a healing space. I want to thank you again for your time, and I look forward to talking to you again. Oh, thank you so much. Well, as soon as I'm done here, I'm headed out to sit in the fern room before that rain comes. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster, and do me a big favor. Subscribe to the podcast. We're having fun and learning, too. And for next week's show, have you ever heard of zombie trees? They're a real thing. 
we'll learn all about when good trees go bad. As always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.